Coming up today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, Doug hogs the entire first segment. I can't get a word in edgewise. We do talk about the difference between James Borrego and Jim Boylan's coaching style ahead of their matchup with the Chicago Bulls tonight. Hear ye, hear ye. There's also this. Yeah, you're There's like, a, you're like a sire in the royal court. Put some <laughs> respect on that man's name. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Doug is in rare form today. It's impressive, really. I mean, it's more so that it's Doug on steroids. We all know how Doug Branson operates on this podcast. Doug pretty much just spews information, spews his takes, has no regard for any other voice on the podcast. I open up the rundown that we share through Google Drive, and the first segment has a whole bunch of ideas. And usually, it is Doug that puts all of the content on the Google Drive, and then I will put a couple of pieces here and there every once in a while, just some of the thoughts that I think will be trickled down from some of his main ideas. But what Doug has done, like a work refrigerator with Tupperware, he put all of his names on the takes, on the ideas that are here in the first segment. And then so we talk about that a little while. Doug wants ownership of all of the ideas in the first segment. Then as I try to mention certain things here and there about the Hornets season, about some of the things we're going to talk about, Doug gets so excited, maybe still high off of Devontae Graham's 40-point performance, where he will cut off what I say immediately at the beginning of my thought process and then go on into really what is like a three-minute soliloquy on whatever he's thinking of at the time. Then what my favorite part about all of this is, is at the end of our discussion before we started recording, I laughed because Doug interrupted me once again. I know that's a shocker for all of you, but I laughed because he interrupted me once again. And then he said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you have a problem with getting interrupted? Did you have a problem getting interrupted as a kid? Is that something that happened? And then he went to a psychological history of why people might be bothered when they're interrupted. And of course, I'm just reminded of the hypocrisy of Doug Branson because there have been multiple times on this show where I might interrupt Doug and then I ask him if he gets mad and he says, well, a little bit because he was so frustrated with my interruption. He's in rare form today. I don't know exactly what's gotten into him that's enhanced the normal Dougness that we get from this podcast, but it's going to be on full display. Yeah, I'm sorry. What did you say? <laughs> it's, I the wasn't, I wasn't podcast. it's the Locked Podcast. It's the Lockdown Hornets podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. If you are on Twitter, you can follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Doug Branson, L-O-H. And our show handle is on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. I mean, talk about so a Doug. soliloquy. I didn't open the show with a three-minute rant. <laughs> That's right. No, you didn't. No, you did not. You did interrupt me as I was trying to transition, though. So thank you for proving my point. So let's go into the first segment, Doug. We have a bunch of Doug's ideas. What I'm going to do is I'm going to allow you the first segment. I know you love hogging the mic. The floor is yours. You have a ton of takes. You've labeled them. They are yours. I can't touch them. Nobody's going to steal them from the refrigerator. This is your lunch. 
every single day of the week, you go ahead and just empty them out. You, well, I, you know, obviously I'm sensitive to having things stolen from me because I can't, I come up with all of these great names for players and nicknames and different things on Twitter. And they just get, they just get rampantly stolen <laughs> and no one, no one cites me. No one gives me credit for these things. I mean, sky miles, that's mine. Uh, but honestly, the way he's been playing, I haven't had to worry about that lately, but, oh. uh, all right, let's get to my first take here. Uh, what have we learned this week? Uh, the Hornets' starting lineup right now has been better with Devontae Graham and Bismack Biombo. You have to give it to JB. He's he's worked out a lot of problems in the starting lineup. If you remember, uh, when they were running Terry Rozier, Dwayne Bacon, Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, and Cody Zeller out there, uh, it was the worst starting lineup in the National Basketball Association offensively by far. And defensively, they weren't much better. So uh, if you look at uh, what happened when they switched over to Devontae Graham into the starting lineup, they go from minus 31 in terms of their differential defense to offense, and it goes from negative 31 to negative 6. And then once they got biz in the lineup for Cody Zeller due to injury and left him in there, now they actually have a positive differential between offense and defense. Points per possession offensively, 115. Defensively, 108. That's, That's good offensively. And okay defensively. So the starting lineup finally starting to play better, Walker. Yeah, the Hornets starting lineup is starting to play better. And one, a lot of that has to do with Devontae Graham. I was looking at some of the quotes from James Borrego earlier in the season. And I think this had a timestamp of like November 7th when he was asked, is there any, are you going to put Devontae Graham in the starting lineup? And James Borrego said, not at this moment. And then eventually Devontae would be implemented in the starting lineup immediately. We found out, okay, Terry Rogier and Devontae can work well together. Bismack has been someone that's been starting. Look, I, I think that Cody Zeller is a better player than Bismack. I don't think it's particularly close, but I do think Bismack has been playing a lot better than what I expected from him this season. And I think you are right, Doug, when you bring up the physical nature in which Bismack brings. He's probably the only guy that brings that type of physical nature, maybe other than PJ Washington, who I think has been a lot more strong in the last few games. So in terms of the starting lineup, you know what I just thought of that's very interesting to me, that in both cases with Devontae Graham and Bismack Biombo, James Borrego has used a an injury, one to Dwayne Bacon and one to Cody Zeller, as an opportunity to make changes in the starting lineup and then he gets this is a good like strategy if you're co- if you're a coach and you're trying to build trust with your team you use those opportunities and then you say well you know we're playing a little bit better with this guy in the lineup but you know guys I think we got to stick with the hot hand here and then it's not like oh you ripped somebody out of the starting lineup and and took them to the bench now it's like well you know we're just playing a little bit better and and sacrifices have to be made i think it's a great strategy if you're tr- again if you're trying to build trust with your young team to use those opportunities wisely. Can that work against you because players are scared to lose their starting role or their significant role because of injury? I don't th- I mean listen, if you're a play, you got to protect yourself. If Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson and all these different injuries have taught us anything, I think it's that players have to look out for them. I mean, that's that's the that's the trend right now with load management and everything. Players, they're not messing around with injuries anymore. Let's move to another Doug take. I'll read the takes for you. I'm not going to take oh, them. Thanks, I'm giving man. you credit God, for this. Friday, I'm not going to take them from man. you. I got my, my left foot's a little sore too. If you could get to that. It's really amazing. It You are at Supreme. What? It hurts. Right I'm, Let, I'm sorry. Like I've been, you know, I've been on my feet a lot this week. 
You also mentioned that the small lineups are getting killed defensively, Doug. What have you noticed in that area? Yeah, I was looking up, again, going back to the lineup stats here because I was interested. The Hornets have occasionally put in P.J. Washington and Marvin Williams at the center position or had them both on the floor at the same time. And as you would expect, defensively, it has not been very good. The top two lineups, uh, 45 possessions and 37 possessions, respectively. Uh, The first one, Rozier, Graham, Bacon, Bridges, and P.J. Washington, 136.6 points per possession given up defensively. That's not very good at all. It gets worse when you go to Graham, Monk, so not not much size in the backcourt. Then Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, Marvin Williams, that goes down to 161. I mean, that you're just giving up points on top of points on top of points. And there are not many of those small lineups if you look across the board. There are not many of those lineups with P.J. Washington and Marvin Williams playing together that do well both offensively and defensively. You're either giving up one or the other in, in those lineups. So I think it's interesting because I think they have to try P.J. Washington at the five. Like, they have to work that out and get him experience, but it's going to cost the team. It's one of those things – there are a couple things that the Hornets have to do this year to get certain players' experience that will ultimately hurt the team this year but will benefit them long-term, and I think that's one of them. All right, I want to go through this rapid fire. You control the takes, but I control the pace of this segment. <laughs> I think that's a fair compromise. So Hornets have been Hornets very are- slow pace of play this year, by the way. Very interesting because I thought they were going to be fast. Instead, they're slow. (laughs) That's another take. I didn't write that take down, but that's another take. All right. The Hornets are getting to the line more and their offense has improved. Doug, go ahead. Yeah, it's true. I mean, if you look at the past three games, uh, their free throw rate has been above 25 in all three of those games against Brooklyn, Washington, Atlanta. They have only done that three times the entire season before that. Uh, So they're consistently getting to the free throw line and their points per possession are uh, on the rise as a result. And they've got two out of the three wins. Very emphatic take, even though I don't know you're arguing against anybody, really. Devontae Graham is an all-star. People seem to be coming around on that a little bit more. But you say Miles Bridges is not. Why such emphasis on Miles Bridges not being an all-star, even though I don't think anybody is arguing against you? I'm just frustrated with Miles Bridges. I just want to see more aggressiveness from him and consistently, like getting to the line consistently, going inside, finishing, not trying to create for others. That's what Devontae Graham is doing right now. That's what Terry Rozier is doing right now. We need physicality. We need Miles Bridges to be a player that can go and get his own bucket, make a play. I want to see Sky Miles. I want to see Miles take it to the hole aggressively, consistently. That's my take. I'm are air horns better than regular horns, Doug? You are damn right they are. I want to see it in every game. Like take these, take the digital horn away. Like sometimes analog is better. A lot of times it's not. But sometimes it is analog, in this case, better. Let's go to the regular air horn. We talked about the brewery Jurassic World or uh, Lost Worlds, I should say, a Jurassic Park type theme of brewery that is going to open up in Lake Norman. One of the things that they're going to feature is besides some of the trivia games that most breweries and bars play in the middle of the week, whatever kind of special they have. Instead of that, they're going to have guest speakers speaking on things like the Appalachian State Trail. I don't know what's going on, but... What would I, I said Appalachian State Trail, by the way. That was incorrect. Appalachian Trail. Uh, how do you feel about the idea? <laughs> I think the of Appalachian State series, Trail right? is what uh, Drinkowitz or whatever his name That's right. is. Drinkowitz. The Appalachian State Trail is going leads, to. Leads right to Mizzou. Mm-hmm. It takes that job and then it leads you right to a Power Five conference <laughs> job. Despite you saying, nope, I'm going to stay on this trail the rest of my life, I'm going to stay here. This is where I'm going to set up camp. In reality, once uh, quadruple the pay comes your way, 
you basically just told everybody a lie. So instead of talking about the Appalachian State Trail, people might talk about some other things like the Appalachian Trail. Doug, do you like the idea of, of, of a speaker series at a brewery more than just trivia and maybe some other things to get people out? I can't think of many things that I like less than the idea of a speaker <laughs> series at a brewery. In fact, the idea of a speaker series at a brewery makes me want a Jurassic Yarf. Bleh. Chicago and Indiana preview coming up this weekend. We'll talk about that next on Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. And would, you, would I have liked to see a few more shards? Sh- shards? No, I would not have. That's <laughs> awesome shards. That's awesome It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Charlotte Hornets play the Chicago Bulls tonight. Chicago kind of going through some things right now with uh, Jim Bulls. Boylan. Jim Boylan. Apparently, the players aren't exactly thrilled with his coaching style. That's been a roller coaster, Jim Boylan taking over there for Chicago. First, they really hated him. All the players disliked Jim Boylan. Then all of a sudden, you know what? We're kind of coming around to him. We respect him. This old school style. We'll get on board with it. And now, apparently, people hate it again. Zach Levine gets benched. And then when he comes back, Levine hits 49 points against the Charlotte Hornets and wins them that game in the second half and in particularly the fourth quarter. So it's been an interesting roller coaster with Jim Boylan. And Doug, I want to talk about the different styles of a Boylan with a young team. That's a really young roster that they have in Chicago. James Brego has a young roster here in Chicago or in, in Charlotte. And I would say that when you look at the two coaching styles. We've talked about James Brago being very even keel. In fact, I talked with John Fokey on the wake up call today and John Fokey said that he thinks James Brago should get a lot of praise for his even keel demeanor and his commitment to player development. And that's a large part of the reason that the Hornets have actually um, exceeded expectations this year. So here you have Borrego, who's very even keel, very relaxed. Not a whole lot gets him going as far as you know, getting animated with media when answering questions or even out there on the court a whole lot where you have Jim Boylan, who is a lot more like Tom Thibodeau, where it's like you can only play for him so much before it wears extremely thin. Turns out Jim Boylan has the, the, the thinnest of margins to work with as far as his coaching style. And I think I could understand how one, that coaching style would wear thin on veterans, right? But even the younger players, where players are getting more empowered in the NBA, and then maybe that trickles down even to some of the rookies and the second-year players. Man, one, I think, of course, we would rather play for a guy like a James Borrego, but you see these guys trying to come in and be a dictator with these young players, like a John Beeline, who a lot of players are not thrilled with the way that he's coaching the Cleveland Cavaliers, like a Jim Boylan with Chicago. It just, I think, makes you appreciate what Borrego has done with this roster a little bit more than some of these other coaches with such a big ego that at least it's being reported and the players like nah dude I'm out here playing this is this is me doing all this work and you know I'm I'm about tired of the way that you have this dictatorship over everybody so I think there are two types of coaches in this league and really two types of leaders in general leaders that try to understand the people that they're they're attempting to lead and leaders that have no interest in understanding the people that they are trying to lead. In fact, they want the people that they're trying to lead to understand them, and that's their sole objective. And I think that's the problem with Boylan. I think that's the problem with Beeline in Cleveland. He wants them to understand what he's trying to install, and without any evidence, like Beeline has no evidence that his thing will work, and he's just expecting people to fall in line and and, and believe that he has the right method to win them basketball games. And the NBA players who have been doing this a while are saying, wait a minute, no, we don't want to do that because you didn't try to understand us. And I think to JB's credit, he spent year one 
really trying to understand what he had in terms of his roster and what he didn't have. And I think it's paying dividends now because the players understand that even though he is trying to set standards, and he has been clear about that. He was clear about that from day one in the offseason, that he's coming in and he's saying, you know, no one has a God-given right to minutes. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to enforce certain standards on the defensive side of the floor. He's, at the same time, I think he, he, he has the respect of his players, and you're, you're not hearing the same things like you're hearing with Zach Levine when he talks in the media about Jim Boylan. You're not seeing Tristan Thompson stand up to John Beeline. You're not seeing any of that kind of stuff happening with the Charlotte Hornets. And I think that speaks to the relationships, individual and collectively, that JB has established with the Charlotte Hornets. I think JB has done an excellent job walking that line of demanding good play, demanding professionalism, demanding a whole bunch of things, but without coming across like a dictator in some of the ways that some of these other head coaches do. And for instance, Doug, how about James Borrego discussing his defensive strategy last year, not working? He was extremely forthcoming about him expecting too much and expecting it to be easy fix for everybody on that roster when he said, look, that was just on me. You know, I expected these guys to do way too much. And it didn't seem like one of these backhanded compliments where he was saying, hey, the players aren't just good enough. He seemed to legitimately put that on himself saying, I expected too much of younger players and even just everybody on this roster to tailor their understanding of the game to what I am saying to, to, yeah. you know, recover more, right? Like right. He, he was asking way too much responsibility and team defense for some of these other players. And then even Marvin Williams, Marvin Williams, you could tell when he was asked about that very thing, he would say, yeah, he probably did expect a little too much, but no, look, I, I appreciate James Borrego coming out and saying that. And, you know, he's learning as a head coach as well. Marvin Williams was very understanding of a first year head coach trying to figure out what his place is as the head honcho on a roster. Now, not every roster has a Marvin Williams, so take that for what you will. But I do think Borrego has done an excellent job communicating with his players and trying to figure out exactly what works. And it seems like the players are extremely responsive to it. Well, I think that's an important point, Walker, that Borrego is gifted with a Marvin Williams. He's actually gifted with a Nick Batum. He's gifted with veterans that are not or seem to be okay with with standing back and saying, okay, young players, go ahead. Um, you know, we're we're gonna stand back and let this transition happen. MKG took the money and then hasn't made a big stink. He stayed ready and now he's getting minutes, getting rotation minutes. He could have he could have just completely checked out and not been ready and and not been available for the Charlotte Hornets. Instead he was. So he's gifted with these professionals and, and as much as fans like to criticize Nick Batum, would you rather have a play? I mean, obviously you'd rather have a player that was worth the money. But if given the opportunity to have a player like Nick Batum or a player that's also playing like Nick Batum but also is causing all kinds of problems behind the scenes, I'm going to take a Nick Batum. At least we can ride with that until it's all over and we're ready to transition to the next phase of the Charlotte Hornets. And so I think that Borrego is actually, he's had a really, he has a really great opportunity here with the Charlotte Hornets because he has veterans that will play ball while he tries to develop players on the front end. And it doesn't mean that players might not disagree with him. In fact, I think Marvin acknowledged that he disagreed sure. with him last year. And how about this? Do you remember when Terry Rozier and James Borrego kind of had, I'm not even going to call it an altercation because it didn't seem like Borrego responded to it. But Terry Rozier was clearly 
clearly angry about something Borrego did, and I forget what game it was, but it was on the court where he's trying to talk to Terry Rozier. It was Rogier, against Rogier. Indiana, that, that big I think it was win. against Indiana, right. And, and I think Terry was just going right back to the bench, and Borrego's trying to talk to him, and you know, I don't know if he's yelling. He's really not all that animated, but Rozier clearly was not giving him the time of day. He goes and sits down on the bench, and then Borrego kind of looks to another guy and starts talking to him. So I, I think it doesn't mean that players don't disagree with him, but at the same time, that was it. And may, maybe you could blame some of that on us for not asking more about what happened. I, I don't know what good that would have done if Borrego would have given us anything whatsoever, but nothing else came from that. And all you've heard about Terry Rozier is that he's been extremely responsive. He's been willing to change. You know, Terry Rozier was not supposed to come here and play off ball. That was not supposed to happen. Devontae Graham was not to, supposed to be the leading scorer for this team. He was not supposed to be the best player on this team. So Terry Rozier is supposed to come in and be the leader. And yet here's Devontae Graham, clearly the leader of this basketball team, clearly the guy that's taking the big time shots at the end of games to win them for the Hornets. And so Terry has had to adapt to that. And it seems by all accounts through 27 games granted, but it seems like through all accounts that he's been very receptive to that. I think we deserve to give, I think Terry Regier deserves credit for that, but also I wonder how much credit James Brego deserves for that, for finding a way for James or for Terry to be happy and still relinquish some of this power as the head honcho that he thought he was going to be when he came to the Charlotte Hornets. Borrego is a spot picker. He picks his spots. He doesn't always go to the media and, and make you know claims about players not doing this or not doing that, or they are doing this or they are doing that. He's a spot picker. He picks very, uh, uh, very crucial moments. For example, I mentioned their free throw rate going up. And that was that. That comes directly after he made some comments in the media about them not being physical enough, about them not looking for contact. And so you can. That's what I look for. I look for when a coach speaks. Does the team respond? Because you know whatever he says to the media, he said to them probably more forcefully. And so this team is responding to what he's saying. So for the time being, he's picking his spots, and the Hornets are responding. And and the fact that they can't be consistent about it is just a reflection of the fact that this is a young team and they are going to ebb and flow. And uh, so I, I don't take anything from that. But no, I think uh, JB, you know, another thing too, we've talked about his rotations in the fourth quarter kind of being all over the place. And, and I put it in, in the frame of a little bit of a criticism, but I think it might be one of those things that I mentioned in the first segment where you have to do certain things when you're going to be bad like this and then hopefully be able to transition into a place when you do get good. Uh, where you can develop that rotation in the fourth quarter that's consistent. But right now he's riding hot hands, and, and I think that's good for a young team. It builds trust. It says, hey, listen, if you're playing well, if you give me three quarters of good play, I'm going to trust you in the fourth quarter to go out and close games, and the Charlotte Hornets have been able to do that. You 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 tra- or you look at uh, Chicago right now, they can't close a game to save their life. You wouldn't know that from you know the, the last time the, the Hornets played the Bulls because they – you know, had that crazy comeback because of Levine. But this team is not a fourth-quarter closing team. And and I think that's a reflection of coaching. When, when teams can't close, to me, that's a reflection of coaching. If you follow Nada on Twitter, at Nada the Scribe, he constantly reminds his followers and anybody else that will pay attention that it can always be worse. And then he'll reference usually that quote with a quote tweet based on something terrible that's happened with another franchise. The Cleveland Cavaliers might be that franchise in this instance where we have seen this week, Kevin Love, Doug, I love both of these instances, by the way, Kevin Love takes an intentional three second technical foul. 
because Darius Garland, who leads the team in assists, by the way, which is a great little wrinkle in all of this, who leads the team in assists at, I believe, 2.8 per game. No, I think he Darius leads the Garland. team in missed shots, though, too. He's been terrible. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Darius Garland leads the team in assists at 2.8 per game, and yet when he has the basketball, Kevin Love is willing to sabotage that offensive possession by taking a three-second call, being in the paint too long because of his anger that Garland will not pass the ball. So he sabotages that possession, and Kevin then eventually Hayden. they have to go down to the other end. After that, what we get is a report that the players on the Cleveland Cavaliers roster are not very receptive to John Beeline's coaching strategy, a guy that comes from college that was the CEO of the Michigan Wolverines and did an excellent job, by the way, getting to the title game a couple of different times. I think one of the more underrated head coaches in college basketball, taking that style to the pros Cavaliers not exactly receptive to it. The greatest thing that I saw this week, Doug, perhaps first, perhaps that Kevin Love thing is second, but this is first, is Tristan Thompson. I don't know if it was a steal or whatever, but he goes in and slams at home, right? He has a two-hand slam, and as soon as he lands, looks directly at his head coach, John Beeline, and mean mugs the hell out of him. And then, I think there's a breakage in the action. He goes to the bench, looks at John Beeline, mean mugging him the whole time, talking to him, clearly angry, and then Beeline kind of shies away, looks away with the tail tucked between his legs and starts talking to another player. And that's after, by the way, they win this game, I believe, against the San Antonio Spurs. Tristan Thompson dunks at home. And to me, I thought that was hilarious, of course, after the report that the Cavaliers might not be all that receptive to Beeline's coaching strategy. Beeline was like one of those uh, courtside fans who talks a lot of trash to players. And then the play, you know, like a Russell Westbrook will turn around <laughs> and right. say, sit, yep. sit your ass down. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden, you can see it in their eyes and the, in the fans' eyes, this realization that like, oh, oh, that's right. I was ta I'm talking to another human being that has free will. Like, I'm not watching this on television. They can turn around and, and talk to me, too. And that's what Beeline looked like. It's just the fear immediately seeping into his face. Like, oh, what have I done? It reminds me of Batman when the I don't I've, the businessman is talking to Bane like he's the one in charge and then Bane rubs the back of his hand across his face and says do you feel in charge here like he's talking to the 610 do, do you feel like you are in charge of the man that's 610 and 260 pounds an athletic specimen and then Beeline slowly realizes oh wait I'm a 70 year old white guy trying to tell this guy what to do in an aggressive way here let me look away because this isn't exactly going to go well for me if this gets physical. Beeline remembers free well. <laughs> Let me just tell you, Beeline remembers that vividly. <laughs> if you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify Wrapped to show us your top Locked On podcast for the year. Take a screenshot and tag us at Locked On Live and the show of that Twitter account on Twitter, and we will share and retweet. Beeline's Up protecting next, the neck. Protect your neck, baby. Wu-Tang Clan. We'll talk about Devontae Graham's write-up in the ringer next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. That is so Stu God's form that you were about to make fun of people for their opinions of people changing their body. And then mid making fun of other people doing that, you said, I will say this, though, mm -hmm. the guy that I think his body changed. That's correct. Yeah, well, little, you're right. But little known fact about me, I have 2040 vision. So oh, okay. um, that me, I'm pretty sure. What, or is it 4020 vision? Whatever means that I have great like eagle eye vision. That's Eagle Eye Cherry, by the way. Great underrated band of the 90s. Save Tonight, one of my favorite songs. 
It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. That's the most appropriate bed to play for today's show, the way that we open things up here. Last year, the Charlotte Hornets got quite a bit of national attention at the beginning of the season because of the way that Kimba Walker was playing. He was a topic on Around the Horn with the topic being, can Kimba Walker win an MVP award despite everybody understanding what the Charlotte Hornets record was likely going to be at best case scenario. They probably sneak in to the seven or six spot in the Eastern Conference and eventually what would end up happening is that they would miss the playoffs. Could somebody on a team like that win the MVP? Kimba goes for 60. Zach Lowe is doing a write-up on him that is featured on the main page, not only of the NBA tab on ESPN.com, but the entirety of ESPN.com. The Hornets were getting a ton of play because of the way that Kimba Walker was performing. And I did not expect anything close to that this year, Doug, yet here we are, not to that level, but the Hornets are getting some national recognition. We know about Bobby Mark's tweet. We know about Kevin Pelton's tweet, but now we're starting to get a little bit more play than just these 140, 280 character things about the Hornets. Now what we're getting is full write-ups, just like Kimba Walker did on the ringer last year. Devontae Graham does the same thing in 2019. So I don't know how to pronounce his name. Is it Paolo Ugetti? Is that right? Good enough. It's Hito Turkoglu. He puts out an article. Everyone writing about Devontae says, quote, put some respect on Devontae Graham's name. Here's a little snippet of that article. <laughs> this under the radar vibe that hold Graham on, carried. Hold on. What? The way you read that title cracked me up. Put some respect on that man's name. Put some respect <laughs> on Devontae Graham's name. Here's a little snippet from that article. This under-the-radar vibe that Graham Royal carries vibe. is not novel. He was originally a two-star recruit, headed for a mid-major school before he broke out and got himself to Fog Allen in Kansas. And so it's perhaps no surprise that while most young players the Hornets have drafted in the lottery lately, parentheses, uh, Malik Monk, and parentheses, have not panned out Iron. as expected. Graham has emerged with the fiercest appetite to prove he belongs. Also, the mid-major school that he mentioned there, that's Appalachian State, getting in a little bit of a tie and weird situation with Jason Capel. Good riddance, Jason Capel. So Devontae Graham, oh. well, I mean, not a, yeah. big, not a big Jason Capel fan, huh? Yeah, do your research on Devontae Graham with Jason Capel and that whole situation. You know, somebody trying to talk about dictator, talk about CEO, trying to control dudes. Like, get out of here, Jason Capel. Loved wow. you in the 2000 Final Four, but now, you know what? Love, it's all gone from Do me. not put so respect on that man's name. <laughs> here, here, Devontae Graham. Yeah, you're like, a, article you're on like the a sire in the royal court. Put some <laughs> respect on that man's name. Here ye, Devontae Graham. Could he be an all-star? <laughs> Put some respect on the man's name. Off with his head if you don't. Devontae Graham has been exceptional this year. He's getting some recognition nationally from the ringer, Doug. Uh, are you surprised? I, look, of course, we're all surprised <laughs> about the way that Devontae yes. Graham... The answer to your question is yes. I'm am, I'm am incredibly surprised. <laughs> Goodness gracious! Where do you want to lead to, Doug? What do you want? I'm just. I'm, it's, a, it's remarkable, right? I, here's the thing that I'm happy about. Yes, I'm to happy, answer your question, it is remarkable. I'm happy that the Charlotte Hornets drafted a four-year player, a player that went to a big-time school and was one of the best college basketball players of his class. And he actually turned out well. Like the Hornets, we, we made fun of them for so long for targeting like the player of the year guys. 
and the four-year guys, and now they finally do, and it's in the second round, and it hits, and it's amazing. I was looking at this. This is a great stat for you, Walker. I'm going to throw a stat right in your face. This is from Cleaning the Glass. This is uh, on-offs for Devontae Graham. So how does the team fare when he's on versus when they're off, when he's off? Right now, on offense, the Hornets are 18.6 points per possession better with him on the floor than they are with him off. If I'm reading this right, that's best in the league. Like, that's the highest margin of offensive proficiency when he's on the floor versus when he's off than anyone in the league. That's crazy. No, Devontae it is Graham. crazy. My, my question to player. you... My question to guy. you about Devontae Graham out of was nowhere. not whether you were surprised. I mean, he wasn't doing anything last year. He, wasn't, he was not doing anything last year. He was timid. When he, when he got on the ball, that's what we always said. Like, what is this guy doing? Is he ever going to be anything? Because he, he doesn't even want to shoot. It wasn't whether you were surprised whether Devontae Graham was impressive this season. The question was going to be, are you surprised that the Charlotte Hornets, yes, this guy is performing extremely well in a way that nobody expected, but are you surprised that the Charlotte Hornets, this team, is getting the type of national recognition? Like, would you expect, even with this storyline, that the Hornets with this storyline would be getting this type of national recognition. And I am still like, even with Devonte Graham doing what he's doing, it just seems like maybe it's just more. So NBA Twitter, where we were getting the actual ESPN shows that air in the afternoon. We're talking about them last year because of what Kimba was doing, but I, I'm still surprised to see, and man, it happened so fast, Doug, you're right. 40 is a magic number because I think this is what birthed all of this. It kind of, it really sort of disappoints me about that last Kimba year. I really feel like if they, if they had been, a, maybe, and I don't know if this was like JB pushing this or the front office pushing this, but they were pushing so hard to get into the playoffs that I feel like they probably hurt their playoff chances by not showcasing some of the talent that they had on the roster last year and not developing players more in, in, in trying to keep Kimba Walker. You feed him the ball so much. And then, he, you know, I mean, every opportunity Kimba gets now, he's in Boston saying like, oh, yeah, I'm glad my teammates were actually shooting. Okay, well, I mean, nobody nobody asked you to take all those shots. Maybe they did, but, you know, jeez. I would like, I just would, I wish I could have seen Devontae Graham do a little bit more last year. Miles Bridges, maybe do a little bit more last year. Hear ye, hear ye. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Have a good weekend.